but I believe that the Lord to do something very special in each and every one of us through this next chapter that we're about to turn uh, in the toolbox study. And I'm just, this study, that when the Lord gave this to me, I want you to know first that I don't stand up here every week having perfected this by any means. These are things that the Lord is still dealing inside of my heart. So as I bring this to you, it's something that's fresh on my mind because it's something I'm going through in the moment. That's just like any minister that you ever said on their brother Chad when he comes up to speak. Uh, uh, when the Spirit of God is really moving and individuals really seeking the Lord, uh, the message that you hear is something that God is actually dealing with that individual on a personal level with. And that's what excites me so much about this because uh, as I was studying this week coming up to Thanksgiving, you wouldn't believe the amount of attack that the enemy has brought against my life to not be thankful. I'm talking, it's it, it just amazes me whenever you take a step to try to do something for God in your life of how much the enemy tries to come against you mentally, spiritually, physically, to try to put you back into a place of bondage. And I thought, well, how appropriate is this? Because Freedom Ministries, coming out from underneath of the control of another power, something that uh, that actually comes over our mind and our heart to lead us in ways uh, that brings destruction into our life. Why wouldn't the enemy, since he's... Since he's the author of confusion and destruction, why wouldn't he try to come against a child of God? Someone that is moving forward and pressing into the things of God, just like each and every one of you that I know that's in the house of the Lord tonight, oh, that's dealing with, with issues, uh, that we're, that we're all trying to come out from underneath that may be different for you than it is for me. You know, you may be dealing with, uh, still dealing with active addiction issues, with drugs or alcohol. Maybe uh, uh, lust issues, sexual issues, uh, you know, maybe issues with gambling. I don't know, whatever it may be, anger issues, bitterness issues. We all carry in something, church. Each and every one of us coming to the house of God has something that we're dealing with that we're asking the Lord and seeking His guidance and His deliverance from. And as we as we start to open up this next chapter for Thanksgiving... We've already looked at, as this is a progressive study, most of you have been already part of this except for a couple. Your discipleship is progressive. Um, these meetings aren't something that you just come into one Sunday night and just all the miraculous just falls from the throne of God and every single issue that you're dealing with in life is broken underneath the anointing and someone lays hands and prays a specific prayer over you and you go back into life at home and everything's just singing kumbaya all praises to the Lord and everything you've been looking for in life just got answered in that meeting. That's a delusion. Oh, uh, now, I've lived under that delusion at a period of time in my life. Oh, and I was the one that sought every single revival that ever popped up on the face of the planet that was in my close proximity to come to. I frequent the house of God for any evangelist that was coming into town for deliverance. And especially when I was in the heat of my addiction, oh, I would look for those opportunities. And I come into those meetings really seeking the deliverance of the Lord. Broken. 
I didn't realize then that I was just only really broken because of my circumstance. I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to suffer the consequence because of the decisions that I've been making, but I really didn't want the Lord. But I did want some relief. And it didn't matter how many worship services I went to, how many evangelists, powerful anointed men of God that had prayed over me. Seemed to be that nothing would ever break. I'd find myself right back into the same trap. Sometimes it would take a few days. Sometimes it was hours. Sometimes it was weeks. Sometimes it would be months. Oh, if I was locked up, sometimes it was years. Oh, but then I would find myself right back into the same captivity. Seemed like I was unable to break the cycle. And it wasn't until the Lord really got a hold of me in my heart and it led me by His Spirit into the close proximity of men of God and women of God in the church that was able to speak true life over my life. That was able to help lead me into the truth of God's Word. And as I was seeking, who is this Jesus that we keep singing songs about in this freedom? I've never been able to experience it, man. And it wasn't until some people come up alongside of me to prop me up to say, let me show you in God's Word how God's Spirit moves in the life of man to set him free by the power of the cross. And that's my only desire on Sunday nights is to help pour into you what God has so graciously poured into me and things that I'm still walking through in my own life so you can also be set free. Because there is a freedom in God's Word. There is a freedom that comes by the Spirit of God. But it doesn't just takes knowledge. It takes being able to walk it out. But to have knowledge, you have to first hear it, right? Romans ten seventeen says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by no other means, that's Jeremiah's add on to it, by the way, than the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's through the Word of God that God begins to wash our minds, and He washes our hearts, and He begins to cleanse us from all of those things that the enemy has attached to us to try to confuse us from our identity in Christ and to be able to see, who, to see who God truly is and who He desires to be in each and every one of our lives. Oh. And through that, knowledge is a process that we have to take part in. It's called discipleship. Jesus said in John eight thirty one and 32, He said to the Jews that believed upon Him as He was teaching in His earthly ministry, that if you are truly my disciple, I, the disciple is a student under a teacher. You will continue in my word and you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Right? When we say this over and over, some of these things you're here because that's how we learn. It's as part of the renewing of the mind is verbatim. It's over and over until it begins to stick. That's how I learn. Oh, that word continue literally meant in the Greek to linger around to the point of conformity. It means when we come as a baby child of God and we just come to know the Lord, maybe as we just, we just started coming to church, uh, we got introduced to Jesus for the first time, uh, we've repented of our sin, we've asked Him into our heart, we've got all of these things in our life, uh, uh, bondages, addictions, uh, mindsets that we're trying to come out of, and we really want to truly experience the freedom of God. The Lord gives us a clear example. He says, I want to give you this freedom. I am the truth. 
Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if we come back to John 8, where he says, if you're truly my disciple, if you truly want to be a student of mine, you will linger around my presence and my word in men and women of God until you know the truth, which is me because I am the truth, and then I will set you free. There is power in the cross. There is power in Jesus Christ. But it's not just the word. Jesus is more than just a word. He's a life. He is the life. He's the life giver. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. John 1, 1. He says, in the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. Which means he's there in the beginning. He is God. And he does transform lives today. According to Romans 12 too, he says, Be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, proving that what is a perfect, good, pleasing will of the Father. That's through Jesus Christ. Oh, but there is a life that Jesus offers that can either be picked up or laid down. And all through God's Word, He offers this free life, because that's what the Word of God is, is life. He offers this free gift of life, which is through His Son, that when applied to the human mind and heart, will bring a freedom to our lives. But the enemy don't want us to ever come to this freedom. He always wants to keep us confused and in this delusion that if we just get around the right people, this is going to do it. If I just come to the right church, this is going to do it. If I just come to the right recovery ministry, this is going to do it my life. If I just go to the right counselor, this is going to perform the work of my life. If I just get connected to this, if I just get connected to that. But the truth is, and Jesus is the truth, it's when we truly get connected to God himself that the miracle begins to happen. And through this process of our lives, because you see, we're kind of just like an onion in a way. Oh, when we, when we come to the Lord, we're like this onion. We've got this beautiful shiny shell, but onions have layers. Our mind has layers to it. Very thick layers. They've been layered since birth. Oh, we've learned certain things in life because of our earthly parents that either was or was not in the picture. Oh, whether whoever it was that raised us, environments, oh, these perceptions start to become truth and they become a reality in our life. And it's not until we become at a place where we're able to be at age accountability, where we can think for our own, we can analyze things, start to interpret things, that then the Spirit of God can come over our life. And as the Word becomes introduced, Jesus becomes introduced to our life. He can then start to take those layers of lies and falsehood All from our mind. But with every layer that he takes, just like an onion, if you take a layer off, it's got a nasty stench. I mean, it's ripe. It'll make your eyes water. It'll take your breath away. But that stench only lasts for so long. It will clear. If you leave it there long enough on the counter, you'll be able to walk in and pick it up and it'll be just like it was when it had the outer shell. Now you take that layer off, there's another layer of stench. It's stinking thinking, man. It's, it's rotten. It's nasty to the core. And see, as we come to know the Lord, this is how He works in our life. It, just like those layers, we can't handle every layer being taken off at one time or it would destroy us. 
Oh, you take an onion clear down to the core all at once, it's going to blow you back. You're, you, you can't see. You'd have to have goggles on. No, I mean, you, it, that's how it is with our lives. So the Lord, through process, He deals with one issue at a time in our life. And then when we're able to step on solid ground in that moment to overcome that specific obstacle through Him, then He can take us to the next place. Hey, but as addicts, we're, we're, we're just by nature, we want everything right now. Oh, when I was strung out shooting dope and I was running the streets and I was, you know, doing all those things, man, you think I didn't want to be set free? Shoot. Heck yeah, man, I wanted to be free. I think I wanted to go get locked back up, throw in the back of a cruiser, go spend another two years in the joint, come out and then have your whole family in disarray. Who wants to do that? Of course you want to be free. But every place I went to seek freedom, I wanted the instantaneous ward. Beam it to me, Scotty. Take me up. Oh, And because I was seeking that instantaneous, I completely missed the cross. Because it was in that moment that the Lord was really speaking to me saying, Jeremiah, I know you want this. You see the big picture. Family, freedom. You see drugs and alcohol not taking control of your life. You see anger not taking part. You see sexual things not taking part of your life anymore. But there's first things first that had to happen in your life that I need to work out inside of you. Because if I don't do it piece by piece, and if I gave it to you right now, you wouldn't have the character inside of you to be able to hold on to the promise. Oh, when you're still... Flipping out at the drop of the hat, cussing people in the job site and wanting to throw hands. When you get in an argument with the old lady and you can't handle it and you're wanting to backhand her. I'm like, you know, when you got issues dealing with your kids and you can't handle them, you just want to pick them up and choke them to death. You know, things like that that you're dealing with. How can I give you all of these things that you want? How do I give you this good job? How do I bring these finances into your hand when you're, when you, every dime that you do get, you go out and you spend on the next shiny thing that you think is going to bring gratification to you. Instead of being wise in your spending, wise in your finances, being trained up in the Lord of how to be able to do those things. So it's not that we don't serve a good God that does not want to give us these things because Jeremiah 29 11 says that I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. I have thoughts to give you peace, not evil. To give you a hope and a future. And He wants to give each and every one of His children these good things because He is a good God. And I just want you to know in the house of the Lord tonight that God has something for you. Even right now in the very place that you're at, doesn't matter how far down that you are, when we allow the Holy Spirit to really begin to work in our life, He will give you experiences in the very moment that you're in to give you strength to go to the next step. See, and in those experiences, we begin to really start to understand and know the character and the workings of God. And it's in those moments that He begins to write His Word on the tables of our heart. Okay. And then we are become a testimony for him to be able to help lead others as we're still being led by him. 
And tonight, as we go into the third part of this study of Thanksgiving, to be thankful, as we've come off the foundation now of forgiveness, which is the foundation work of the cross, right? And we've all been studying and we've all been praying. And I pray that through these studies that we continue to do these things. See, this is progressive. Oh, this is something that we take with us, that we work, continue through every day of our life. That we don't let unforgiveness set in. Because as the scripture said, unforgiveness gives the enemy an opportunity and a crevice opened up into our lives to be tormented. With unforgiveness comes all types of physical, spiritual, mental anguish. So it has to be the foundation for one of Christ forgiving us of our sin and us coming to Christ and us forgiving ourselves and then us being able to forgive others. And then as we lead from that foundation, the next building block of our life into obedience of learning to obey the voice of the Lord as we are being ministered to by his Holy Spirit through the word. You see, I think most of us in here tonight have heard some preaching or know something about the book of Acts when the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell. You know, I've heard from some Bible scholars that when they first started in the upper room, there were somewhere around 500 men and women. Fifty days later, there's 120 left. Where'd the other 400 go? Or 380? That's right, they got tired of waiting in the process for the promise of God that He promised them. But after 50 days, people start getting tired. They start thinking, man, is this even really real? Oh, when we're coming out of addiction, sometimes we come in and we sit in meetings, we go to CR meetings, we may have come from a program and things, and there's still promises of God that He's given us that's it's lingering out there, kind of in the backdrop. We can see it, but we haven't grabbed a hold of it yet. And the Lord says to stay put long enough for me to perform the work, for you to be able to receive these blessings And to be able to hold on to it to where it's really tangible and the enemy can't come and rip it from your hand any longer. So there's an empowerment that comes in waiting on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31, he says, But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. That word renew literally meant to go to a place of strength that you never had before. So it's not going back to something we once had. It's freshness. It's a newness of the Lord, of submitting to the power of God. Waiting means to be pliable. That's an exercise of faith. He says, you'll renew your strength. You will mount up with wings like eagles. You shall run and not grow weary, and you shall walk and not faint. I will help you through this process of life. I will take you to the next step. The Lord promises it. He declares it. He says that in Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Prosper. Any tongue that rises against you in judgment, thou shalt condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And your righteousness comes from me, saith the Lord. These are promises of God. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Why do you think the enemy is forming weapons against you? Because you are a weapon. And when we know who we are in the Lord, and we begin to understand the attack of the enemy, it gives us a unique advantage, guys. When we know his tactic ahead of time, and we're not trying to figure it out when all the attack comes, we are at a great advantage. But when we don't know the attacker and how he works, and we don't know our identity and who our father is and the freedom that he offers, then we're at a great disadvantage. Because then when the attack comes, we don't understand it. 
We can't comprehend why these things keep happening in my life. But as we grow closer in our walk with the Lord, and as we learn to submit more to the authority of Christ, and we allow Him to start working these imperfections out in our life, the Spirit of God will transform your life, not just change it. He will transform it to something that has never been. You see, because I serve a God that speaks things into existence that were not as though they were. Jesus. And that's exactly what he wants to do in each and every one of our lives and through these studies and as we set meditate on the word together. Why? Because you're part of the 120 that desires to seek the Lord enough, that's willing to wait long enough for the promise to be manifest in your life. You say, well, am I just waiting for some specific time? No, that's a day-to-day thing. Because see, there's a promise being fulfilled each and every day. We're not having to wait for months and years down the road to attain one thing. The promise is Christ. And He is the victor of today. So it's when we become victorious today that the promise is truly fulfilled in our life. See? And we're not waiting anymore for all these other things to be added because we've had the one added to that makes all things come together. He says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's every day. So we've got to learn how to battle this enemy together of addiction and of these torments of the mind together, we got to learn in God's Word. And what we're doing is we're training in here, guys. We're sharpening our swords to become the weapon of God. To go out into the community and break the back of the enemy. And us not be broken anymore because of his tactics and torments. You know why the Lord seeks you so hard and why it's been so difficult for you in life? It's because God has something so powerful and he has something for your life that's so great that you cannot see that the enemy can see it and he knows if they ever catch a glimpse, my kingdom's in real trouble. Jesus, you know the power that is inside of you today. And how we unlock this power in the world is found through God's Word and through meditation and prayer and the teaching of God's Word. And as we go into this tonight, I just want to to give you this uh, promise that the Lord has on thankfulness and thanksgiving and how this impacts our life. And we're going to find it in Philippians 4. (coughs) In Philippians 4, 4 through 7. The Lord's speaking through Paul that's in a prison. The book of Philippians was wrote from a prison cell in a place of bondage to captivity. And here's one of the greatest thanksgiving messages that was ever preached in God's word is from a place of bondage. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. This is a man that's in chains. (laughs) Can you imagine this? Now, I'll say this. I have witnessed this. I, I haven't actually been this individual I've wanted to be places I've been in captivity. But I remember being in a penitentiary in West Virginia talking to a man that was doing a life sentence that had come to know the Lord. You know what happened? He killed a couple drug dealers one night. He was high and put them in the trunk of his car and ran around with them for three days. And he was so high and out of his mind that when they caught him and they got these dead bodies in the back of his trunk, he is so far gone. I've got... I think you can get that far going. You say, there is no way. I promise you, you can go that far. 
I got in a high-speed chase with the police uh, one time and, and had, had a crash at a gas station, blowed up a fuel island, didn't even know I was in a car until the police officer drug me out of a burning van and I woke up alongside and laying in a parking lot up against the side of a police cruiser and seen flames and smoke everywhere and wonder what just happened. That's a reality. That's the place that the enemy wants to take you to. And don't think he can't do it. Because he's got the power. We think we devil and we dabble with these little things. We think, well, I'm not getting that high. There's a couple beers here and there is not taking me to that place. I don't drink and drive. I don't do this. I just sit at home. I do all these things. This little bit of uh, pornography addiction I haven't really doing much. But that's just how the enemy works. Because there comes a time in all of that process... That the right day, the right timing, all the right events line up. And it's like all the stars just align. And there's something that happens that we can't handle that's out of our control. And the next thing we know, we fell into this trap. And guys, you know how many people I've talked to in the penitentiary that's doing the rest of their life and never going to see the light of day on the outside again because they went one night after work. And they decided to sit on a bar stool. I talked to this old man. It was so pitiful and pathetic and so sad. I remember sitting in his jail cell. And he said, you know what, Jeremiah? I got off work, went to the bar one night. I woke up the next morning in the jail, realized I ran over a college student and killed him in the middle of the street. It was dark. It was raining. It was foggy. The kid was drunk and high. He come down off from a hill. And this guy's going back the same path. He had always went down the road to his house, been drunk. Drinking for years, never caused no problems, never even had a DUI in his life. And this kid runs out in front of him and he runs over him, don't even know it because the fog and the rain is so heavy, he thinks he must have hit a speed bump. He's doing the rest of his life. 15 years, but at his age, he's going to die in there. But I've met some of these guys that come to know the Lord in a place of captivity that was singing and praising God. I can remember people speaking truth in my life even then, even though I wasn't ready to hear it. And it wasn't just jailhouse religion. I'm talking, I can look back and remember now, there was something going on there. Praise God. This is Paul. I thank God. That gives me chills up and down my spine. That right there causes me to be thankful. Jesus, thank you, God. That never happened in my life because it should have been me as many times as what I'd ran the roads ragged and not being up for days at a time and not knowing who I was. That something like that never happened to me. Thank God that one day I didn't get so desperate that I put a gun to a drug dealer's head and took his life to get my next fix. I was that close. But thank you, God. See, we say, I say these testimonies because sometimes we feel like life is so dim and I ain't got nothing to be thankful for. I live in this old ragtag apartment. I'm struggling from paycheck to paycheck. My family hates me or my family, most of them's done, passed away and died. I don't have nobody. I don't have anyone to be able to, to console with. You know, it's, and we get in this place of misery and the Lord says, I need you to wake up. I, that's a trap of the enemy, church. 
church. We have something to be thankful for today that we have an opportunity to live. Here's what he says in, in Psalm 118, 17. And I want you to declare this over your life. I shall not die, but live. Why? To declare the works of the Lord. Jesus. Here's what he says right after that. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Thank you, God. You may be sitting in the house of the Lord tonight where you've received some chastisement of the Lord. Thank you, God. Because you know what? He chastises those who he loves. If you're not being chastised, then I question if you know the Lord or not. Especially when we're walking in disobedience uh, to His Word and the, and the conviction's not there. But when it is, if you sit in the house tonight convicted, thank you God, that's a miracle. I praise God for it. Because that's not to condemn you. That's say, here's opportunity for life. Jesus, now let's start seeking the life giver together to be able to move into a place of true victory. Not just change for the moment but true freedom in Christ. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice, church. Let your gentleness be known to all men that the Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Here's the promise that I want to declare over your life tonight. Is there is a peace in this life that truly passes all human understanding. Because when the peace of God comes upon your life in certain situations, it's incomprehensible to those around you. But say, how could you ever have peace in where you are right now with what's going on in your life? How could this ever be possible? Jesus. That's right. That's exactly right. You said, that's, that's usually what my answer is. Do you know where I come from? <laughs> you know where the God, where God brought me from? I think, thank you, Lord. And not that I still don't have things that's being worked out of my life, but they're different than the things that was 10 years ago. But there's still imperfections in my life that He's working out that I've got to go back to the foundation of forgiveness. I've got to learn obedience, become thankful, and learn relationships and boundaries, which is the next two uh, chapters that we'll be moving into on the spiritual toolbox. But right now, as we're at Thanksgiving, the Lord says that when we become thankful to Him for who He is in the moment, it unlocks a spiritual blessing over our life to be able to sustain and go the distance. He said, you wonder... If your mind's being tormented right now and your spirit's being afflicted, there is a protection of the Lord that passes all understanding that will guard you from not only things past, He'll guard you from things present, He'll guard you from things in the right now and the immediate that you're facing. And it's a spiritual protection of God that comes over our mind. He says, I will guard you through Christ Jesus. Who's Christ? He's the truth. Truth is opposite an illusion. Oh, and as we become more transparent to Him in our struggles, 
and we come to a reality of who we are and the things that we're truly dealing with. See, that was one of my biggest issues. I knew who I was. I want no one else to know. When I looked in the mirror, I may be able to put on a real nice pair of clothes and I look real good. And I may be able to go stand in public and look pretty good in front of people. But I know who I am inside. Other people may never know the depths of what you deal with. But God knows. And He doesn't condemn His children. He comes to love and to set His children free. So He says, I want you to be honest and transparent with me about this struggle that you're dealing with. Why we haven't been able to overcome this specific issue. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? The Lord will show you through His Word as a mirror, and as you seek His presence, He'll show you these things. You know, I'll give you this example of one issue that I used to have a serious issue with. That was a sexual addiction. I struggled for the majority of my life. And I never understood why. I'd had some of the most beautiful women that I had relationship and know. My ex-wife... She was beautiful. She never done drugs, never drank, never done anything. She tried to be a good mother and a good, a good wife. I couldn't contain myself. Nothing was ever good enough. Until one day, as God really started getting a hold of me, as I started coming through the deliverance of the Lord, and I had hit that place of rock bottom, that I really realized how selfish that I was. That I always put myself above somebody else. This is an issue I dealt with my whole life. This was the core root of all my pornography issues. It's because I was so selfish. I always wanted to please myself. I didn't care really about pleasing anybody else. Because I was so self-consumed. You see, I heard this message last week. I can't remember if I missed it uh, last week or not. But uh, her pastor Dale Bronner had mentioned something about... Um, glass. When you put silver to glass, it creates a mirror. Well, he's relating silver to being a things that's not just money and tangible things. It's anything that we put above Christ that becomes a value to us. That when it becomes added to our life, instead of being able to be see out, we only can then be able to see our own reflection. And that's who I was. Even though I didn't have a whole lot of riches, I had all kinds of silver that I had stored up that I put in front of God. I put in front of my family because I couldn't deal with my own self. Oh, I, I wanted to be happy. I needed to be happy. I needed to have joy. But you see, it goes even deeper than that. It's because I was seeking joy from everything but the joy giver that could have true joy in rest, I was seeking in things that was only temporary. It just escalated into more chaos. Next thing you know, there's a marriage that's ruined. Children growing up in a broken home. And in every relationship that I ever had until the one that I have right now, my marriage, I've been together with Amy for six years. Until this time, every relationship I ever had, I tainted. Because I was a selfish individual. 
I never could see that before. I thought, all right, go to work and trying to do all of these things and trying to do the right thing. How am I really selfish? He said, well, because you're so consumed upon your own gratification, how could you ever begin to please somebody else? That's, that's a boundary that begins to be set in the life of a man that comes to know the Lord. Is The Lord said, if you lose your life, you will find it. That's when you lose your life for somebody else. You don't lose it for yourself. See, and I always had it twisted. I could lay down my life. I mean, I'd lay down in places of isolation. I'd do my stints and time wherever I had to do it. And these, and I would think that was paying the price and laying it down. I'd get up and go to work. You know, I didn't want to get up and go to work and do these things and try to provide. But he says, what's your motive? Oh, what's the really the root behind what's driving you? And when it's really for somebody else, everything begins to change. Oh, every our, our perspective begins to change. There's an empowerment that comes there. But he says, as God begins to grow us, then we quit doing things so much for somebody else, we start doing it for God. And then as we do it for God, that naturally releases a dying to self to be able to die for others, a love and compassion that can come from nowhere else than God's Spirit. And he says, I need you to know that in this process, that thankfulness is a key component of our spiritual walk that brings freedom to our life. Without thankfulness, bitterness begins to set in. Resentment. You know, I got to look at this. You split up the word thankful is made of two words. Thank, fool. It means to be full of thanks. Now, there's all types of things that we can be full of. Fearful, that's full of fear. Doubtful, that's full of doubt. Sorrowful, that's full of sorrow. Oh, thankfulness to what God says is to be full of thanksgiving. I just want to encourage you tonight, as we go through this week, this is something that I'm disciplined myself in my own life once again, because there's moments when I come out, the Lord, uh, I, the enemy comes in, <coughs> he gets me distracted, he comes in so loud, and he gets you when you're tired the most. And, and sometimes we don't even mean to get tired, we're just... You're just living life. Oh, you have to live. But then I read this scripture beginning of this week. It said, I shall not die but live. I've been, I've been declaring this all week. I will not die, Satan. And you know why I'm going to live? To declare the goodness of the Lord. Just to stomp you in the face one more time. Oh, what if you take everything I have? I don't want that. But who cares? You know where I come from? Where there was nothing. Didn't even have clothes. When I come to the Kentucky, I didn't even have a pair of shoes, man. I have no money, no nothing. I know what it's like to live with nothing. I can go back to that place. I think I can do without anything. I don't say that out of pride or any type of arrogance. That's just the truth. Because you lived in it for so long. So what's it matter if he comes in and just... Comes in and tries to move out. Look what Job went through. Job lost everything. He didn't do nothing wrong. Sometimes hurts. And be, be careful of how you judge another man's struggle. 
Because you don't know how long that man has carried that same weight. And as you look at him struggling in the moment, and you think, wow, I can carry that weight. Be careful the Lord don't say, you know what? Okay, I'll let you carry that weight. Let's see what it looks like 10, 15, 20 years of you carrying the same thing for you. And see how much joy and compassion and ministry that you manifest in your life. We don't know the length and the depth of the struggle. But all we can do is encourage one another to continue on another day. I don't know the weight that you carry. You don't know the weight that I carry. The only thing I do know is who the Lord is and what His promise is. And that He wants to love His people. And from the experience that I've had in my own life of the freedom that God has given me, and that He's still leading me into day to day, and I want to be able to proclaim that freedom to a lost and dying world more than anything I want to do in life. And every time I get an opportunity to be able to to speak in front of people, that is the desire and the motivation behind my heart is not to be seen in any way or not to be heard It's for the enemy to cower down. And for him to be put in his place. Because he's had rule for too long. And it's time that the children of God be raised up to become the men and warriors of God that he's called us to be. And I believe that's happening right now all around us. But church, in this this process as we begin to walk into new places of freedom in our life as the Lord brings us together and He gives us new experiences. I just want to encourage you to stay close in the presence of the Lord. Oh, write the Word of God. Stay long enough for God to not just produce one miracle. Sometimes we get one relief, one thing that happens in our life, and then we we turn and we start walking the other way. And then next thing you know, that blessing begins to fall and then we're in a place of torment again. He says, I need you to continue from day to day in this journey. Don't grow weary in doing good. Because at the right time, you will reap a harvest. I know there's people in the house of the Lord that's reaping a harvest right now and family. That God has been good and gracious to because of your faithfulness and you're seeing things start to happen and unlock in your family that you've been praying for for years. Don't get so distracted with the blessing that you take your eyes off from the very one who gave it. And see, that's a trap. That begins to be a trap of the enemy. Oh, so as we grow, and Paul said, I learned how to be abound. I learned how to have everything in life. I learned how to have nothing. How was he able to do that? Because he kept his focus on Christ. He never self-reflected when he got things given to him That was a blessing by God and he didn't become self-reflective when he didn't have it and start questioning and blaming God or why everyone else has these things, but I don't. Because he kept focused in the moment and God gave him victory for the day. Because he became thankful for the breath and the opportunity that he had that day. He wasn't worried about tomorrow and he wasn't worried about the events or the things that happened in the past. God can give you that. And I believe he wants to do that for somebody in the house of the Lord tonight.